Welcome to Archery Country Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to Archery Country Podcast. This is Big Wade as we are in the St. Cloud studio doing things a little bit different on this podcast. We're shooting from the hip, more or less. Unscripted. We're going to be on the entertainment value, so we're going to switch things up a little bit. We appreciate each and every one of you listening to us. As I said, we are in the Wade Park location. I have the manager of managers, Brandon. We know him as Buck. I know I say your last name wrong. Loman. Loman. Big B is with us. And across the way, I have Adam Kramer. Uh, he's the newest member to Archery Country and kind of made his home back up here. We're going to have some fantastic stories because we also have John, who's directly to my right, uh, another manager of Archery Country. Actually, you two and Dan have been the three longest employees. Mm-hmm. So yep. we got it. How are you guys doing today? Good. Good. Pretty cool. awesome. Yeah. So as we go through this little river channel, we're going to branch off from time to time lifestyles of the rich and famous of the pro shop guys <laughs> <laughs> is where we're going to be at and uh we're going to kind of we've always asked you know you give us a little background and and so on and so forth but we're going to really elaborate not only your background but what the pro shop is for you and how you came about and what your passions are so we really kind of take an in-depth search to each and every one of you three guys sitting here and we're going to do this at the Brainerd location uh with their, the, those guys and, of course, Rogers as well. So crickets on the line. Buck, we might as well start with you if you're cool with it. Uh, reason being, you've been here the longest, the oldest employee, not age-wise. but well, I'm getting uh, up just there. about, yeah. Know, you know, we don't take the hats off anymore. Salt, <laughs> and, pepper. Salt and pepper is with us. <laughs> but uh, take us, I know we've, we've heard about your past and your passions, but like, when did you get started with this? Was this an accident? Did you just roll in? Have you been doing it? Yeah, I mean, for me, archery started, I don't remember how old I was, maybe 10, 8, 10 years old. And uh, for Christmas one year, I got a little bear brave or some type of bow like that where, you know, no sight, you just shot arrows, flung them around. So I was out in the yard just shooting, having a good time. Um my dad was a bow hunter, but he was more of a weekend warrior, more of a gun guy. Um, so he would go out and shoot his bow a couple times before he'd practice, uh, before the season started. And, uh, you know, hunting was maybe three, four sits a year for him. So for archery, for me, I kind of had taught myself more than anything. Taught myself, of course, all the wrong things. But um, I was probably 13 or 14 years old, maybe, when I got my first like real bow and started hunting. And then from there, it just kind of, you know, I don't remember exactly, you know, I'm I'm getting up there in age, but it just kind of progressed from there. I got more and more into it when I was like 19, 20, somewhere in there. I'm going to college up here in St. Cloud. I would come to archery country to get some of my archery supplies. And just so happened one day, one of the guys that was working here asked if I was looking for a job and Sure. Boom. You know, at the time I needed a job going to college and yeah. I was right up here. It's close by school. And that's just where it, that's where it all started. Started working here and kept going to school. And once I got done with school, I'm like, Hey, I, I like this. I like dealing with people and I like hunting. I like archery. And it just kind of progressed from there. And here I am still here. So just to give a little insight without going way too deep into family history, but archery country, uh, for those of you that know, Jake Schlingen is the owner of archery country, but his dad, 
Vic, um, and then also there's a few others involved, but was were they are the owners when you started? Yes. Yep. Okay. Yep. Jake and Vic had probably had the store for, I'm, I'm guessing, two or three years when I started here. Okay. Um, so when I first started working here, it was pretty much me, Jake and Vic, and, you know, maybe a, another guy here and there, but. At, um, and at this location? Yes. At the St. Cloud store. Yep. Gotcha. yep. Which at the time was the only store we had. Right. Yep. And then as things progressed, um, obviously graduated college and then life began. Right. Right. And this was still a major part of your life. Yeah. Yeah. Just like I said, I, I liked it. I liked dealing with the people and the customers. It's, it's fun. People come in here, they want to be here and, you know, helping people pick out their equipment, talking to them about their hunts and how successful they were. And, you know, just the excitement that people have when they are in here talking about shooting, talking about their equipment, talking about the hunts they went on. That's just fun. And I think it adds a lot, uh, even being down in Rogers and, and Adam, you worked in Rogers for a period of time, even there, which is 45 minutes if you're flying on I-94, there's a ton of customers that drop Buck's name. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Buck set a bow up for me in St. Cloud. Like before I even knew what a bow was, really, Buck was hooking them up. And and I say Buck, it's Brandon, but that's what we all go by. So it's actually my right. middle name. Is it really? Yeah. Well, see, we're learning more. There you go. <laughs> I'm secrets. not making shit up. I promise. We're doing it. But um, so as you as you progressed as a pro shop or a bow technician, then things started to open up because one knowledge is key, but then your passion not only from family but for hunting right it expanded as well. Right. Correct. Yeah. So you know that that went from hunting Minnesota only whitetails into as I got into it and started working with Jake he had been turkey hunting I'd never even thought about turkey hunting before and so I started turkey hunting with him a little bit and so now I'm hunting whitetails I'm hunting turkeys next thing I know I'm going out of state to hunt turkeys then deer then mule deer and yeah so just things kept progressing and that's truly my passion is is the hunting side of it Um, I like setting people up with equipment for their hunts and talking to them about it I like doing the research for my own stuff you know whether it's what preference points am I going to put in for? What states am I going to go to? But really for me, the, the passion on my end of it is the, the hunting side of it. And you've been very successful and things have, you know, and again, that, that helps out meeting guys in the industry, guys and gals, right. uh, connections, having the ability to have somebody scout for you more or less. Wouldn't be in something that maybe would, you know, if you worked at Best Buy, right? you probably wouldn't have those connections that you have here. And things carry on. So as we talk about, you know, another passion, I want to go down that road as well, especially your out west hunting, because you're one of the more successful guys that we got on the crew. But you said something key when somebody that they want to be in here, when they come through the door, there's a reason they're here. Even if it is to look around, there's something that word passion. I'm going to dissect that and terribly ruin it. But there's a reason that they come in. And it, I think it's strongly the four of us that are sitting here is when you can read a customer and then they give you just a couple short sentences or paragraph on what they're going to do. There's something for you to work on, right? To build the best, whatever it may be for their situation might not always be a bow, you know, but that's something that I think us, us guys here, including a couple others, we're not just part-timers. We're not just, you know, making hours meet, and getting a paycheck it's we like to solve situations if that does that make sense absolutely um all right out west i don't know if you release pictures of your 
big dog this year or last year or the year before right. item. <laughs> but uh, the albums, w- yeah. With <laughs> why is that so strong? Why is that? Is it? I, I think it's like for me going after mule deer. It's the terrain they live in, and it's just a different hunt than. And I love whitetail hunting. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard to beat. But you go from sitting in the stand for hours on end to, you know, when I'm mule deer hunting, I'm I'm glassing for maybe. 15, 20 minutes in the morning. And if I'm not seeing anything, I'm on the move and it's all day long until I'm, you know, sometimes I'll see deer and I'm glassing them for a couple hours, but otherwise I'm always moving around. You're, you're making something happen. Um, the terrain that they're in, just that they're just neat creatures. I, I, I can't quite put my finger exactly why I love it so much, but it's, it's hard to beat being out West and in that, whether it's the Dakotas or Colorado, Wyoming, Montana, you know, any of that stuff, the country is just beautiful. And just being out there and being able to put the miles on, John, I know, you know, you're the same. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just, it's different. Yeah, and I would say anybody that hasn't done it, like even if it's an antelope hunt or anything, just to get out west to try it, it it's really fun. Let me ask you this personal question. In, do you love it enough to where if you sucked at it, would you still do it? Well, I... I mean, there's definitely been some trips where I'm coming home saying that I, I suck at this. <laughs> <You're rethinking things. laughs> yeah, I felt that way plenty like of times. I always like to ask that, you know, because it's not all, it's not all bread and butter. Right. Uh, I think if it was, if you were successful, like every time you went and it was easy, it wouldn't be, it's a challenge. And I think mm-hmm. that's what, that's what makes it really fun is when you are successful finally, and it's not every trip, it's not every day, right? But when it does finally happen, the feeling that you have is, is pretty awesome. Absolutely. You know, and then you're, and packing. you're getting, you're getting the point now with your boys. Um, right. I don't know if they went out of state with you, Not out of they're, state they're getting preference points, but you've had some successful hunts here with the boys right? Yep. and some videos. So that's, you know, now it's a whole new chapter right? that you can start writing and sharing and teaching. And so that they, and they may not even like going out West right. in 20 years, but yeah, in right. a sense, you right. know, at the moment, that's kind of the next, uh, the next journey, I guess, in my, my hunting is, the last few years, me and my boys have been turkey hunting. They're 7 and 10 now. Um, so we've had some success with that. They're having fun with it. My son shot his first deer this year during the Minnesota youth season. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah. So I plan on, uh, you know, hopefully if they stay into it, taking them out west here in the next few years, getting some preference points and maybe doing an antelope trip, mule deer trip, something like that. Yeah. Um, as far as getting to know everybody, this is for all, all three of you guys. You get into depth as much as you want or don't at all personal life like what's the lifestyle brandon outside of these doors i mean obviously your boys are busy right right we're busy um in the winter right now it's both my boys at the moment are in wrestling so that's going constant so it's all it's a lot of kid activities right now you know school stuff um, sporting activities we do a little ice fishing but for the most part during the school year it's you know it's their sporting activities and i'm always researching and planning for what I'm going to do next year. So that's what currently I'm doing. I know John's doing that too. We're starting to think about mm-hmm. what tags am I going to put in for, what preference points am I getting for certain states, certain species. And so that goes on for me. As soon as the season ends here, that's kind of the, all the way from, you know, late winter here, December, January, um, until application seasons are done, which takes you for most part all the way into June. So it's a lot of research and planning and so the, the out west kick um, or the out of state hunts doesn't have to be out west. That it's more than just getting in the truck and driving 
15 hours right. and getting out hunting. There's a right. process. Right. Which I really, I really enjoy that. That's part of, that's part of the fun for me is, is doing all the research, looking at maps, looking at units, looking at statistics and, you know, just figuring out what species I want to go, what state I want to go, what public, you know, public tracks of land I want to hunt and, and scouting that stuff. That's a lot of fun. So realistically, your hunts, your out-of-state hunts, are more than just a week. I mean, we're talking months. Right, right. And we haven't even dabbled in the preparation of your equipment and shooting. Right. And I mean, yep. let's just take that for granted that we're going to do that. Right, but, right. You know, yeah, the, of course, you're getting your equipment ready. You're shooting your bow. You're, you're dialing your stuff in. But a lot of it for me is before all that, you know, and that, that comes in the summer and, mm-hmm. and leading up to the hunt. But before all that, it's it's the research you're doing and trying to give yourself the best opportunity to be successful. And a lot of that can be done. There's so much technology with Onyx Maps and Google Earth. You can get on all these states' websites and look through draw statistics and harvest success rates. And there's a lot of info out there. And if you haven't already put this, I guess, in your your mind of you, the the cool thing about this is lifestyle. I mean, this is this is our life. And uh, if I was if I was listening to this podcast and I had a mule deer hunt in western north dakota that i may or may not have done before now i kind of have an idea of who we're talking with and that's that's the idea behind these podcasts is we're not we're not over here we haven't said a product's name yet and we're not going to um we're just visiting Mm -hmm. and i think that's a this is going to open up a lot of years because as we move down the line you know john's going to be different from adam and adam's going to be different for me and so on so forth and we go to rogers and the guys up north they're crazy different everybody's got a different passion so um I, i'm gonna come back to you yep john let's dabble a little bit same same scenario okay different wheels on the cart okay where's your where how, how do you mind if i ask how old you're you're older <laughs> uh no i'm not that well, when i say uh, you're, you're, you're not you're not i'm trying to 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 put a platform out here i think you, i am 32 if okay. that's what you're he getting thinks, at. he thinks okay, yeah. we know 32 more. going on 33 how many shortly. and how many years have you been here at archery country, yeah, um, I started April of 2011. Perfect. Okay, that you gives remember us... that, but you can't remember how old you are. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, you gotta, you know, <laughs> remembers when I cast a check. Wow. Right that's a shorter, shorter <laughs> time span, easier to remember. Gotcha. All right, uh, when, same story. When you got started, how did you get started? Um, Hunt doesn't have to be archery. Hunting outdoors. Well, yeah. So archery wise, or like hunting wise in general, um, I mean from a bow hunting standpoint or hunting in general, I think I got started or started shooting bow right around 10 years old. Um, my, my dad bow hunted. He didn't, uh, he didn't like gun hunt deer around here. My family doesn't like own any land around here or anything like that. So he had some family friends, he bow hunted on their land and you know, it wasn't really the norm. I don't think to be a, a bow hunter back then it was a gun hunting thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but he enjoyed the peace and the serenity of going out and sitting in the tree stand. And I think it was his way to relax from work kind of thing. Um, and it was, you know, it was like his thing, but I remember even like being younger when he would be in the yard in the summertime, you know, shooting fingers, shooting old school wheel bow. And like, I just, if, if he was out shooting in the yard, I was sitting there right there watching him. I was mm-hmm. watching where the arrows hit the target. And even then it was like, man, this is, this is really cool. I can't wait to grow up someday and like do this. Um, and I think I got a bow for like my 10th birthday, if I remember right. Um, and I was a scrawny little dude back in the day. I think you had to pull 40 pounds to start legally hunting in Minnesota. 
And when I started, I was nowhere near that. Um, so it took me a long time to build that strength up. And like, that was my goal. Like I've got to keep going. I got to keep pulling this bull back. I got to get to that 40 pound minimum. Um, to the point where I remember like in the winter time, the year before leading up to like the next year I was going to be 12, I was nowhere near that 40 pounds yet. I kept my bull in the basement during like commercial breaks for TV. I would go and draw my bull back and hold it and let it back down and draw it and hold it and let it back down. Never even shooting an arrow. No, just, that's awesome. Uh, I, I I knew I wanted to hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, just the outdoors, you know, it, it was from day one or young as I can remember. I just wanted to be outside and play around and go build forts and be an outdoorsy guy. You know, it was cool. Um, but then one of my buddy's dads was really into like bow hunting at that time and like kind of into target shooting. And I remember going over to their house as a kid and like he had a trophy room, he had a man cave and you know, it was like seven or eight of these 120 inch bucks. And I would go down there and just like be in awe. I'd just go and stare in their room. Like I was there to hang out with my buddy and I would just go downstairs and look at his dad's man cave for 10, 20 minutes. Every time I was there, I was like, man, this is, I want this one day, mm-hmm. you know? And then his dad reliving the stories of hunting out of state already and that kind of stuff. And I was like, yeah, that's someday. That's going to be me. That's going to be sweet. That's, yeah. that's right up my alley. So I think I, I, at first year hunting, I never shot a deer. 12 years old, went through the whole season. And the very first night I actually hunted, I had a, a doe and like two fawns come into range. You know, old school Parker bow at 40 pounds, two prong rest basic three pin sight and I was shaking so bad with this doe at like 15 yards I couldn't keep my arrow on my rest I think I tried drawing back four or five times <laughs> and eventually I just stood there holding my bow for like 10 minutes and it got dark and I couldn't shoot anymore and it was mm-hmm. like but yeah, you're hooked that was that was legit that this I want more of this mm-hmm. you know and it's you know I'd never done drugs so I don't know what that's all about but it, I mean it is a form of it's an addiction Oh, for sure. That feeling. Yeah. Uh, for our listeners and a vast majority of our listeners are going to know exactly what you're talking about at this mm-hmm. moment. Um, so you're, you're hunting and you, you progressed. Did you work where you, did you work outside of this shop or how did that transition take place? Oh, how did I start here? Yeah. I actually had, like, I had a lot of different jobs growing up. Um, starting in high school, I worked you know, basically the second you get your license and you can start working and paying for gas back in the day you had to, um, it was a lot cheaper back then. So <laughs> yeah. 10, 10 bucks lasted a couple of weeks, you know? Um, but I, I worked a bunch of different jobs, um, for all over the board from, uh, a field scout for an agronomist to delivering pizzas, making pizzas, uh, worked at an office supply store for a bunch of years. Um, and I shopped here a lot. So my parents actually owned a retail store that was like, right across the parking lot and back in the day there would be a lot of Saturdays that I would go to work with my mom and be in archery country most of the day either shooting my bow or you know bugging these guys they're probably sick of me you know um but I think what what transitioned I was actually at the um one of my other jobs at the time and Jake came in looking for something and we chatted for a while and like I think he had talked to my parents a bunch and was like hey does your you know your boy Mm -hmm. want a job and that was the end yeah. of that and yeah never looked back and it hooked yeah so now as we fast forward and you've been here for a while it, has there been any categories that have kind of set themselves you know on our podium a first second and third like you're also a very avid out west hunter 
and you hunt here and very successful. And when I say here, the Midwest, mm-hmm. whitetails doesn't, you know, the, that category. What would be your, and I hate to even say this, but if you could only do one or two hunts a year, mm. what would they be? No, oh, that's tough. Um, well, realistically, like before I started working here, I did, uh, I did one archery elk hunt and I mean that fangs deep, just hooked in and never let go. Um, and that was really, really cool. It was a fun experience. It was, it was actually, I think my first out of state hunt ever. Um, and where was that? It was in Colorado over the counter tag. Um, with my dad and another guy. And I mean, it was just a riot to plan and lead up to it. And like, I had the junkiest of junk equipment possible as far as like camo and a pack and all that other stuff goes, but man, what a blast, Mm -hmm. um, being in the mountains here in elk bugle, seeing like my first elk while I was hunting, it was just it was intense. Uh, it was cool. Um, you know, everyone talks, we talk about like that adrenaline dump you get and like even just the, the time spent out there and in creation, it was just, it was just awesome. Um, and then like around here, yeah, hunt deer and go out West and I hunt mule deer and, um, a little bit of everything. But if I had to pick one, I don't think I could. <laughs> then that's the answer that I want. You know, it's not, like we said, this isn't scripted. Mm-hmm. I don't know the answer when I'm asking these these questions. <clears throat> With that being said, there is a, uh, it's not a really a new phenomenon, but kind of a newer thing in the last decade maybe, and that's shed hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about this or not. We're definitely yeah. not going to talk about where you go. That's perfectly okay <laughs> with me. <laughs> but uh, this is, you know, when we... we not, I wouldn't say maybe not right now. I don't know much about mm-hmm. shed hunting besides picking one up in a tractor tire once in a while. Yep. <laughs> when do you start? Where do you go? It, where like you actually travel mm-hmm. to do this? Yep. Yeah. It's a, it's another form of scouting too, you know, for, for like, a you know, be it the Dakotas or Kansas or Nebraska or Iowa or whatever, um, Wisconsin, I mean, everywhere, you know, everywhere there's deer. Um, but, um, yeah, like typically, you know, late March, mid March, sometimes as early as February. A lot of it depends on the year. Um, I know of some guys that are talking about like bucks dropping already, but I'm not, and this is just my personal opinion. I'm not a big proponent of like going out now. I mean, deer are kind of in the worst condition they are all year. We have a ton of snow. It's been really cold. Um, don't really want to be like, I don't want to go out and like push them around right now. So on top of that, there's just so much snow to walk through. That sounds miserable. Mm-hmm. I'm not in that good of shape. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. And then, uh, so you're, you're keeping these sheds, not, you're using it as a scouting tool. Yeah. Scouting tool. And just like, man, it's just a treasure hunt. Um, it's, you know, Brandon brought up like ice fishing for a second. Um, but shed hunting is like, it's kind of like catch and release trophy hunting of deer. Like there's just something that really strikes a chord with me to be like, knowing that I'm standing exactly where this buck stood mm-hmm. and his antler fell off right here. And it's just like, man, that deer lives here. This is so cool. And, and you, you know, you get to pick it up and every horn, every antler, they're all, they're all unique. There's like no two exact sets or, or replicas. They're just, I don't know. It's it, all these things that we do just for, you know, the antlers, the meat, whatever, but mm-hmm. the antler part is just, it's cool. <laughs> yeah. I, I never really heard it put that way, but it makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And it's just fun uh, to like spend more time where deer are, you know, you can use it to learn more about, you know, bedding here versus, you know, different wind directions and why deer bed where they do. And it's a little different, you know, different times of the year, obviously. Um, you know, they're, they're where they bed in the winter might not be exactly where they're bedding all summer or all fall. Um, 
but it's just really fun to spend time. You're, you know, you're always paying attention to trails, which direction they're traveling. And half the time I probably walk right by antlers cause I'm like, Oh, I should be looking in the trees. Like, Oh yeah, that would be a great spot for a tree stand up there. And you know, that, 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 that's just constantly running through your head the whole time. And then all the other wildlife you see, it's fun to see the, you know, the turkeys and the squirrels and the rabbits and all that other stuff and just be in it. So as a, do you have a shed dog? Uh, no, no. <laughs> is that I, I and I honestly don't know is that you know like is that a pretty cool thing have you been with guys that use a dog is it not is it more rewarding on your air quotes treasure hunt if you're finding it not having a tool or I don't know I've never actually been with someone that has a, like a, a legit shed dog um I think it would be really interesting I I love seeing dogs work I have like a a, a pointing dog I enjoy upland hunting as a another outdoors passion um, and dog work is really, really cool. It's something that also kind of strikes a chord with me, but, um, I've never been with someone that has a shed dog. I've never seen one work. I think it'd be neat to, um, yeah. I don't ever plan on it. Um, having one, I don't know. It's just fun to go put the miles on yourself. And, and then you do this, not just in Minnesota, mm-hmm. you're going other states, states that you're hunting, or is there some spots you go just as a guest or is it all basically have a realm or a core to where you're going to be? Yeah, we uh, a lot of it is just as in like off season scouting, um, and then also you know we go where we actually have hunted or plan to hunt, and it's a way to put boots on the ground without like you know if a guy's gonna go out hunting for five, six, seven days, something like that on an out of state hunt, it's hard to justify spending you know that valuable time on something that you don't know if it's gonna be like good or not. Um, you know, and, and it's a 50, 50, you could go there. It could be a gold mine. You could go there and burn a day. And now you only got five days left and go back to a different area. Um, so it's pretty fun to, to go check out new areas. Um, you know, a lot of times like brands said with Onyx and everything this time of year, um, like right now on mine, I've, I've kind of got a few shed trips going for the spring. Um, and I've got like routes planned out already as far as like where I think I should walk and then, you know, divert from there, depending on like what you're seeing. I'd have never thought that never thought that someone would pre plan for a scouting slash shed, but it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, there's just certain pieces I really want to get eyes on and, Mm -hmm. you know, you try and figure out, well, what route do you think would put you to where deer are that time of year coming off from food or whatever it might be like bedding associated close to food that you can go and trounce through all of it and maybe pick up an antler 10 or 12 or whatever what uh what is your best shed hunting trip maybe not even a trip situation like mm-hmm. we all have target bucks mm-hmm. uh have you stumbled across you know that he lived via trail cameras or didn't shoot him and you seen him like without getting into it you don't have to say yeah, numbers, I found uh, I found a really cool match set this past year um and then I was able to actually see the buck a few times this summer um and he went from like oh that's a really good buck to uh, that's one of the best bucks I've ever seen alive <laughs> um, so it was pretty cool to actually see him a couple times um never got to see him when I was hunting or anything like that but it made me pass up a lot of deer this year to where you know starts of a storyline yeah you know a relationship i guess you could say in a sense Mm -hmm. with an animal uh i'm gonna save the pro shop i got some pro shop questions all right like we're gonna save that we're gonna switch pages straight across from me is mr adam kramer um like i said before he's one of the newest members but not new to archery at all adam it's your turn 
your turn to talk. Where are you from originally? Give us your, I, I know this, so some of these questions are loaded, but I don't want to sound like that. Uh, take us through the life of Adam Kramer in the archery world. It all started with my parents, of course. They were involved in archery. Actually, my dad used to breed cows artificially um, in northeast Iowa back in the 80s. He had a customer that would shoot while he milked cows. He'd shoot into the hay bales at the end of the barn, and while the milkers were doing their thing, he'd shoot. And then when the milkers needed to be changed, that's when he'd stop. And then my dad would be coming in to breed cows, and then he'd be in there shooting. And then they got to talking about it, and then he let him borrow that bow. This is back in the days of if Kmart doesn't have it for archery equipment, you don't need it type thing. (laughs) (laughs) And so he shot a right-handed bow for years, and here he's left eye dominant. But then he got my mom involved because they were just a newly married couple, and they wanted something cheap to do. And archery kind of fit that bill, and so they used to shoot on Main Street in some old building. They had like a 20-yard 2D league, and uh, that's how they got started. And they had a roommate that would do it with them. Along started coming kids. My oldest sister, Andrea, she's about 10 years older than me. She got involved in the 4-H program, the shooting sports. And so my dad got involved with that. And then along came my second sister, Amber. She took to the shooting sports a little bit, but she got into horses a lot. And me and her a lot closer in age, six years, but closer. Mm-hmm. And thank goodness I'm allergic to horses. Or else <laughs> I would have probably been going around and doing rodeos You're or riding horses. Yeah, or at least more of the, the horse side of being a cowboy. Right. But uh, thank goodness, like I said, I'm allergic. And so... I got the shooting. I remember the very first time I picked up a bow. I can't remember my first words I spoke as a human, but I remember the first time I shot a bow because I dry fired it. (laughs) 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 About 100,000 arrows later, I haven't done it again. But uh, That's great. It was a a brave bow, and it was one of those that we used to go to these shooting sports tournaments. And after all the big kids shot, I'd walk up there, and I had my little hip quiver, and it'd go on my gym shorts, and it'd pull them down. (laughs) And the arrows were so long, they were those flu-flu arrows. Then when I was at full draw, they took them armpit. And, uh, <laughs> that's how I got started. And then it just kind of worked as a progression. Like you see most people in archery, they get a cheap bow and they just start working through it as they show interest. My parents were really cool in the, in the fact that uh, they kept fedding us kids. Whatever our passion was, they kept bringing new opportunities in front of us. And my dad, he took on the shooting sports when we moved to Northeast Wisconsin, um, kind of over by Green Bay. He took over the the Shawano County 4-H shooting sports program. It started out, all the stuff they had fit in the back of his Bronco too, and then two kids would show up to practice. And then 15 years later, it got to where it was a 120-kid statewide invitational, 100 kids in the program type thing, and they got storage units now. And so it was cool that it was more of a timing thing and an opportunity. But then also when 4-H shooting sports wasn't going on, started getting into – other tournaments, whether it's NFAA or um, just whatever was available, just want to do more of it. And so we started going to that more. And again, dad never pushed me. If I wanted to go a different route or do different sport, he'd support it. And that's how we started going to state invitationals and sectionals and nationals and then Vegas. And so all throughout my my grade school years, that's all I remember doing was just shooting. Did some sports, but eventually quit sports so I could shoot more and then get a job so I could pay to shoot more. And uh, we were going to, like, 3D scrambles, indoor 3D scrambles, which in Wisconsin, they're every weekend from January 1st to May 1st. And I couldn't even drive. And so guys, my teammates would pick me up from school, and then we'd go to Green Bay and Appleton and Oshkosh, and we'd go shoot. And then we'd 
some of these venues were in a bar and so they'd pass off as my parents so that we'd get by the bouncer <laughs> and um 14 15 year old kid that was that was life Friday nights was just shooting with all these guys and my parents would come and watch sometimes and thank goodness there was a plexiglass usually divider from like the bar area to the shooting range because if they heard the way that we talked <laughs> I probably would have a lot of soap in my mouth but uh that to me was a blast I was hanging out with people shooting that was my social life it kept me out of trouble and uh eventually it came to the culmination or like senior year I was vice president of our archery club which isn't nothing of fame and glory but just I was super involved and I got to borrow the targets and for my graduation party we had a 3d scramble in my backyard because all the people I invited <laughs> were going to be people that I knew from archery so I might as well bring yeah. their bow and so we had a, a scramble and it was just a great time and um then when college came kind of put it on the back burner I went to River Falls for meat animal science and cows were life I mean, it was all about beef cattle and bulls and cows and heifers. I mean, just enraptured in it because that's what I wanted my career to be a part of. And yeah, once we got past that, got into a career working in central Minnesota, breeding cows just like dad did. Archery was on the back burner. And all of a sudden one day it just clicked where I wanted nothing to do with anything but archery. You mm -hmm. know, there's a reason why it was part of my life for so much and it was in such intensive type that I wanted to get back to that. I felt like I kind of lost that. And then it was all about podcasts and YouTube videos. And I think I listened to all the Archery Country podcasts in like three days and caught up <laughs> on all those. And that's how I kind of got to come to Archery Country a little more. And uh, eventually there was a position open and I decided I want to change a lifestyle and enraptured in it and haven't looked back since. Yeah, and actually, you're good at it. Can I touch on that just yeah. for a second? So I remember Adam coming in a few times. You know, I recognized him. Oh, yeah, that guy's been in shooting a little bit. Seemed like a good shot. And it was maybe, I don't know exactly, maybe it was three or four times you'd been in shooting. I don't think I'd really ever talked to you a whole lot, just a little bit, you know, say hi and that stuff. And one day we just got to talking and your eyes, like we were talking about archery and just whatever his interests were and who he was. And it was like when you come home and your dog's been, you know, at home all day and he's wagging his tail, like Adam's eyes just lit up yeah. and he started talking about archery and shooting in a way that. Like, I'd never even heard anybody talk about it. Like, you right. could just tell, holy cow, is this guy, like, he just loves this. He mm -hmm. just, he lives to shoot his bow. And any aspect of, you know, the mental process of it and the shooting form. And so I just, I don't remember if I asked you if you wanted to work here or, or how we got to it. But I was like, we need that guy. Yeah. We need a guy like that in the store. Like, he loves shooting more than anybody I've ever met before in my life. And so that... I think we offered you a job, whatever you took it, Thank but goodness, that's, that's kind of how that started with Adam working here. He, uh, so in that weeks following or days following when you said we got a new guy, uh, mm -hmm. and we communicate every day between shops and, uh, we'd, I'd heard the name Adam from Dan. He's a manager down at Rogers and you and Dan are very close. And yeah, there's a, there's a new guy, Adam, you know, he's going to be what we call split so you're going to work at both shops when we need and this is right before busy season and uh it, and it's kind of funny because in the target world myself being a target archer we've been to the same shoots but we never visited and and i'm not gonna lie i'm kind of a prick when it comes to, like i'm not a an outgoing when i'm at a shoot i'm at a shoot for a reason like i shoot and then i leave and it, i don't do the whole montage of hanging out and getting food and like i don't know and it, I, and i have had some success but it's just a little bit different and adam can attest to this week when you're in the zone 
I just, I took it too far. Right. I, I didn't make a lot of friends. <laughs> so Adam and I, we didn't know each other, but we were at the same shoots and the same, there, there's a guy who comes into the shop and target archers are a click. Okay. When somebody walks in with a target rig, you either go, huh, want to be, or dude, you know, he's shooting his score. And I'm, I, I'm like, God, I don't know this guy, but he looks the, the deal. He talks the deal, you know, he is the and deal. We went, I, you, you shot like three games and then come over and visited by the front counter. And, and I said, I, I introduced myself. I called like, you on the phone that morning. I said, Hey, you got tack veins. You is did. Your, yeah. Is your range open. You're, yeah. It's just a 20 yard range. I'm like, well, I can't hit them all at that distance. Anyhow. So. <laughs> <laughs> the moral of the story is he's kind of playing us a little bit, but he comes in and, and very, very polite and long, long story short. I'm like, Hey, I'm waiting. And he goes, well, I'm Adam. And it's like a light bulb. And he's seen my face. And I went, like Adam, that's part of archery country. He's like, oh yeah, that's me. You know, just bouncing around. We call him Stompy down in Rogers. <laughs> but uh, that's how our relationship started. And then you worked a lot with us down there. Mm-hmm. And uh, great addition to archery country. Like you say, the passion. If if you wanted to put a capital P on passion, you'd put Adam Kramer right behind it for shooting. Now you hunt. We didn't really talk. You didn't ever use the word hunt or I shot my first deer or anything, is that new? Is that newer? Or is it is it something that's going to be a passion? Where are we at on that road? It's like I was shooting from day one, but I never really bow hunted to like sixth grade. And I never got like serious about it until high school, probably. And I, not even serious where I was out there all the time. I uh, just started going behind our house a little bit, never scouted. The first time I saw a deer with antlers, I thought they do exist. <laughs> you see it on uh, all the all the hunting shows and stuff like yeah. that but i'm like this thing's in my backyard like i can see my house right there and the, the pasture right here ends and i'm sitting in this tree and here's this eight point buck and shooting them it's just all happenstance yeah but after that just like how these guys said when you have that encounter that close encounter the jitters yeah, and, all yeah. that, and it's just you know you hear that arrow hit that deer and it's like nothing else you ever heard before but you just want to repeat it mm-hmm. and there's something with the bow i'd always gun hunted um, called coyotes and stuff like that. But yeah, never really bow hunted until high school. And then now with this job, everybody's excited about hunting season. It's super busy. So you don't get out a whole lot, but you know, definitely get amped it's intoxicating for it. is it what is. it is. It carries you know, over. It's, it's kind of like an aroma that you don't smell when it gets into that August time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and for you guys, I mean, it's all year cause we turkey hunt just as much as anything, but, um, so, and that's a very, very cool story. But now, as we kind of progress into this pro shop life, we, we don't get the question a lot, but in, in my mind, and you guys speak freely on this, to me, this is the easiest job in the world. And I had the easiest job in the world before this. The pro shop life, and we can pick on, we're not going to point any fingers on that, but like what we see from day to day, it's such a great mix-up of you have your very serious, no more than you do about certain things, to your very, very first bow ever, have no clue, shooting to a bunch in the middle. Like, let's walk through the pro shop life just a little bit. as Just to make sure everybody understands, we have three different shops. There's one in Brainerd and off Old Highway 371, and there's one in Rogers, and then Waite Park here is the oldest location. So Buck and John and Adam, like, well, take us through a day at the pro shop. Busy season, obviously, is going to be crazy. But uh, 
let's just dabble a little bit if you guys don't mind talking about it. And then we'll incorporate our passions on how that makes us excel uh, in different areas in the pro shop. So uh, like, what are you getting at as far as every day? Just uh, like, uh, so people see us for an hour to three hours at the max, right? Yep. And maybe once a year, maybe three times a year, maybe, you know, once a week, I don't know. But uh, people that are listening that think that, okay, I can get a bow from shop X or I can get a bow from archery right. country, or I can get an experience. I like to use the word experience. Right. It's one-on-one for the most part. Well, and I think, you know, as far as that goes, someone coming in for a bowl, like just even going through, you know, the four of us here talking, when you come in, I mean, there's differences in each one of us. You know, Adam's super, super good and and passionate about shooting, and you are too, Abe. You know, maybe more on the target side of that, where me and John don't do the competitions like you guys are doing, but we do a little bit more hunting maybe. And so when you come in, you're going to get a good mix of all of that. You know, if someone's got a question about some type of target setup or something, and maybe, you know, I know enough about it, but maybe I, you know, Adam's mm-hmm. here and I know he can help with that more. I can refer to Adam on that. And, you know, same thing with John or, or you. And so I think that helps having just a, a different array of guys in the shop where if you come in looking for a hunting setup, a target setup, maybe you're not even buying a bow, you just need an accessory. Mm-hmm. You know, we have, a, we have a, an array of guys that can help. And I, I lo- that's perfect nailed on the head, but that's only 30 seconds. Like <laughs> I want to, I want to dig deep. Like, okay. Well, there's that five thirty this yeah. morning to my Did coffee you? pot brewing. No, that's way oh. too early. No, <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, like, okay. Yeah. Uh, like alarm, mean, alarm rings. That's where you want to start. I'll give you a little scenario. All right. Like my day at the pro shop, I drop my boys off at school at seven 30. They don't ride the bus. Cause I live literally hop, skip and a jump from school. It works out. I get done. Usually I have a stop at the little mom pa gas station and I like that style. And I grab a breakfast sandwich and a cup of coffee and I go to the shop. I'm there usually eight fifteen to eight thirty, which is an hour and a half before we open. So what do I do? I shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's my target bow, I'm shooting right now. We're in indoor season and I'm getting ready to set up a 3d bow. I shoot and I shoot, you know, for an hour. Then we kind of go through the protocol of getting the shop set up for the day uh, right now, this is uh, January 12th. When this is released, it'll be a couple of days after this, but like we're not in the busiest time of the year. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of time, you know, like down there in Rogers, we're, we're redesigning the shop and cleaning and taking inventory and seeing what we need to set up for this next season, which hunting season will be turkeys. But, uh, you know, we're, we're deep with target archery down there. So we're, you know, we're getting things in and we're switching things around and leagues are huge. Uh, one of the biggest numbers that we've had ever in Rogers. So we're taking care of that and cleaning the range. And then every time that door opens, whatever we're doing at that time stops, unless we're with a customer. Then we, you know, address this, whatever the, the may be, if they're purchasing, cool. If not, if they're just coming into the coffee shop feel and they want to visit, we do that. And then, you know, we round up the day. We're in winter hours, so it's 10 to 6. Uh, league nights, we open our Thursdays. We down in Rogers. I don't know if you guys, Thursday nights, we stay open till 8. But there's a lot more of what we're doing right now. We're visiting. I've had more conversations in the last three weeks with guys about their Arizona hunt or what they're going mm-hmm. on. and We're reliving hunts, and that's what keeps us going through this time because when we hit June, like, and you guys can attest to this, especially you and, or Buck and John, I'm not pointing at you like they can see you. 
but like when june and july and august and september hit like there's no time it's you come in early and you're doing restrings and you're fixing stuff and you're getting ready for that plus sales and then you're staying 11 30 12 right you know depending on the night so like busy season is sometimes we you come in and we look like weathered cattle (laughs) (laughs) you know it's it's but that the only thing and i agree with me or disagree the only thing that drives us through those four months is our passion right like we wouldn't and you guys have seen it well guys that don't have the passion they don't last long in this career at all so like what are you guys doing obviously a manager role is a little different than like adam and i you know like where where's your attention to detail and where what you know what are you going through and then we'll talk a little bit uh, we're getting down here to the end of it we'll talk a little bit about what we've seen in the shops that can it's gonna be fun you know like i was gonna ask adam when he dry fired his bow did he go to the pro shop and say oh, the, the strings just fell off my buddy did it <laughs> <laughs> biggest buck i ever seen and yeah it just blew up so i mean brandon like look, look, your day yeah i mean obviously every day changes but right yeah every day is a little different right now we're kind of similar to you guys we're we're in our slower time so we're doing some inventory we got leagues going on um, Adam's got some class shooting classes and lessons going on, you know, on different days, some days are busier where you're not, you're not getting some of that other stuff done. And just, yeah, like right now it's fun when people come in to purchase something cause you've got the time to talk about how was their hunting season? What trips did they go on? I love that. Mm-hmm. So for me, every time I get to talk to someone right now, it's instead of during the busy time of the year where what do you need? Let's get it done. And that's it. You know, you got to yeah. move on to the next person because everybody's waiting. Everybody wants their stuff. This time of year, it's more enjoyable where you get to talk to that person and what are they going to be doing this year? What did they do last year? How did the hunt go? What, what's the story? You know, so that's that's fun. I get I get a lot of uh, enjoyment out of that. Just hearing hearing people's success stories. You know, we set them up with something, or or maybe we didn't even set them up with something, but we helped them. We gave them some advice. And it, it worked out and they came into the shop to just tell us their success story. But as far as day to day go, yeah, right now there's not, uh, you know, other than inventory and leagues, it's, you know, just helping people when they come in and cleaning the shop, getting it organized. We're ordering stuff, you know, new products coming out this time of year, ATA show. Uh, Jake just got back from that. So we'll be getting kind of the 411 on the new products out there. And a lot of that stuff will be arriving soon. Um, so a lot of what we're doing now too, when the new products come in is we're testing, uh, we're getting to know the product so that when someone comes in and they're looking at them and they got questions, we know the product, you know, so a lot of that too, this time of year is the product testing and, and us getting the knowledge on that product base so that when it does get busy, we, we've got it down. Yeah. It's second. It just rolls off your tongue. Yep. Like, you know, it. it's in the back of your mind. Um, you guys have a gentleman here by the name of Nate that is now we kind of open up a new chapter in archery country with these we've always done some videos right but now some very nice videos um he came down to rogers and dan and and jack did some have you guys is that something that you guys are doing more and more of yeah adam just did a bull build video the other day which is going to be pretty sweet we saw a little little teaser video that yeah i uh, quality wise was much, much more yeah, than I, I expected. That was that all going on our YouTube channel, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll all have at least one of, all of us have multiple bows, whether it's two or three or whatever. Um, but every one of us will have some type of video, I believe, coming out with one of our bow builds. Mm-hmm. Should be kind of cool. 
and in it, depth too. Like it's it has just, to be. Uh, sort of social media is it, like it or leave it, and I'm not here to judge, but it's the mainstream of most things, especially archery. Take it with a grain of salt mm-hmm. on what you're watching, but you know what you watch. Like on YouTube, we talked about the YouTube channel. You watch how many views, and then pretty soon you watch a video like Buck just did one, and you didn't do a bow build, but you're talking about the V3X29 and a 33. And all of a sudden, you go over the weekend after the release, and we went from 800 views to 18,000 or whatever. I mean, my 1,800, sorry. Things for People are watching. People are, are using it. Rather than getting in the truck and coming to the pro shop and going through that, they can watch a four-minute video and have an idea. And John, you've you've done. Have you done your 2022 build yet? Uh, not yet. Still, oh, yeah. still waiting on my bow. <laughs> Every accessory is literally just sitting in a bag up there right now, and I'm just waiting on the bow. So I'm, uh, you know, chomping at the bit. But going back to the YouTube thing, like this time of year with like ATA, that's like where my mornings and evenings are starting right now. I'm actually going through and like watching videos from the ATA show of like what products came out, like what piques my interest, what you know looks like a piece of junk or plastic whatever you know it's so that's kind of where it all starts and you know it's a year-round thing we're constantly trying to improve like you know my, my own self from shooting what could help me be a little better is it you know just the form part of it or it's like okay yes this rest or this site or this quiver whatever is going to improve my experience be it either on the range or hunting and i think that's a and because we're all humble we're not going to say but one of the key thing that sets us apart from a big box store maybe is we're not just seeing the product on the shelf and then setting it up and learn like we're like you just said you're studying things already before you ever have it in your hands mm-hmm. and then when you guys get the product in your hand you're you're testing it you're not just putting it on and saying oh this mm-hmm. works you're you're putting it in different situations like where is this going to work the best you know uh, IMX rest versus a limb driven, like a two pin site versus a fixed five pin. Like, let me give you a scenario where this is going to be better than this. And if you, and that, that's something that woke me up and I've always been Rogers. I've come to Wait park and didn't back when you guys, you were on that end, <laughs> you had like the big, you know, Old ladder. School. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't remember who I worked with and it doesn't matter, but there was like, I was, almost overwhelmed with the knowledge that they had. They put situations out in front of me that I never have thought about ever. Um, I've hunted forever, but not serious. Like until I, I, I would say the last five years, like, okay, this is the new step. I'm not just shooting a paper target or a foam 3d target, like hunting. Well, where am I going to go for knowledge? Like, where am I going to go for guys that have actually been in a situation that's going to work? And that's, that's how, you know, things started. Um, but the, the, like you say, you're doing some research, product and development. You know, we don't have to really worry about that. We just take the product and then see if it's legit or not legit. And it, it, we're kind of blessed, I guess, in the sense is we have an owner that shares the same passion as we do. So he's not going to just bring something in that looks good. Does that make sense? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. But, uh, in Adam, we, we talked like right now you're doing classes. Yep. Um, and you're the instructor here at Way Park. That is a, a huge benefit, not only to the shop, but also to archers in general. Like you, you brought up your parents in the 4-H. I don't remember what you called it. Shooting sports? Shooting, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
like there was a kids your own age and and you felt comfortable and done that and and we offer classes and you how has that been good no really good uh kind of in the pilot program of it it's their first month of offering it in quite a while but trying to keep it interesting building on what they learned the week before but trying to have fun and i think even the parents that overhear it they're like wow i really should work on that part of my form too because that's what i'm trying to teach is building blocks that are going to transmit no matter what kind of bow you have it's the building blocks but kind of going back to the pro shop my thought of a pro shop and what it should be before working at archer country and after is totally different. Growing up, I went to a guy's basement. He looked at my bow, put an arrow on there, looked down the center shot. Oh, good to go. And that's why I thought tuning a bow was. Mm-hmm. And then coming to here, I thought, you know, they probably don't know a whole lot about target archery and I may actually get all my stuff online. But after starting here and talking to these guys, there's so much knowledge between you and Dan and John and Buck and just tuning in general. Mm-hmm. And you guys have seen everything. And what's cool, I thought about this on the way in is, you could go to any store of ours and say, build me a bow the way you would use it for hunting. And everybody's going to set it up a little different in terms of accessories. Mm-hmm. If you walked in with the same list of accessories and the bow and said, build me this rig and make me successful, every one of our employees are going to follow your instruction and are going to have the same successful outcome. And that's one thing that I really pride myself on at Archery Country is just how professional and they just get it done. Yeah. And they're trusted. Because, I mean, the the outcome 99% of the time is the same for the end consumer. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're more accurate, uh, more forgiving setup. And I think, I mean, that's a perfect way to put it. And it all dials back to that word passion. Mm -hmm. I don't care about taking the garbage out. So I could never (laughs) be a garbage man. You know what I mean? It just, it doesn't work for me. I couldn't, I couldn't sell shoes because I don't care about it. Um. I think, I think we got it there. Okay, one little thing as we got two minutes left before we got to get you guys to work. The coolest and the weirdest thing in the shop that you've seen. <laughs> and, and we're going to be careful. We're not going to point any fingers. I might say a name. But, uh, like, you, I assume uh, I'll go first, okay, with the coolest thing. And it is, it's the, one of the weakest sales that I've had as far as numbers. Gentleman come in and could not figure out broadheads, fixed blade. I asked him what he was doing. Strictly hunting whitetails, heavy timber, longest shots, 30 yards. I said, okay. I said, you can shoot a fixed blade. We got to do the tune. Or you can, you know, expandables and fixed blades is a huge democracy that we go back and forth on. Bought an expandable, pack of them. His bow turned perfect. We went over 20 yards. He hit the dot with a field point. And he shot some bucks, but he shot 185-inch deer. The deer went 10 yards. Now, could he have done that with a fixed blade? Absolutely. But he purposely came in. He stood in line. This was before Christmas for 10, 15 minutes. He come to the counter. I said, hey, can I help out? Who's next? And I said, hey, Charlie, you know, good to see you again. He goes, wait, all I want to do today is just show you a picture and say thank you. Shook my hand, told me a little 30-second story. And walked out. He stood in line for 20 minutes to show me that. And now I've, I've probably been here, well, I've been with Archer Country for two years, but that was the coolest thing that I've had. It wasn't a bow sale. It wasn't a tree stand sale. It wasn't Sitka. It was a pack of broadheads that made his hunt successful. You know, and, I, and after he left, I went, dude, I've never went to a, you know, I've never went to my truck dealer and said, hey, my 
because he sold me that truck. <laughs> I, you know, I like, I was like, he actually took time out of his day to do that. Super cool. Yeah. Cool. Uh, one of the weirdest things I seen, uh, this is a long, long list, but <laughs> I seen a rest, a drop away limb driven rest mounted on the front of the riser with the cord going through the site to the top limb and it worked. <laughs> I don't know how, like we laughed, we shared some videos and then I shot it just to be, I went, oh my God. So it was a left-handed rest on a right-handed bow mounted mm-hmm. backwards. So put that in your picture and think right. about it over coffee. <clears throat> uh, a little bit longer arrow to make oh, that <laughs> successful. I'm going to go with the, the funniest because I can't really think of the other one. There's too many, like, mm-hmm. as far as uh, the good stuff, like I'd be leaving too many people out. Right. You know? Yep. So I'm going to go with the funniest thing that I can personally remember. And this was a lot of years ago. If you've ever been into our store, our little demo range where you can test fire bows, you know, see what you like. And there was a while where Jake had a couple deer heads hung on that range. And when you're standing there, the first deer head would be almost straight above you, just maybe like one or two feet in front of you, but just straight up above. And had a new time archer come in. He was trying some bows and maybe he was trying to drop too much weight back. You know, bows pointed up at the ceiling and accidentally hit the trigger and the arrow stuck right into the neck of one of Jake's deer. <laughs> and Jake was actually here that day, and he was close enough by where he's seen this happen. And, you know, I think the customer was like, oh, my God, what did I just do? I just shot someone's, I mean, a nice deer, right? Yep. I, there's an arrow sticking in the deer neck. And Jake looked over, and he said, well, you're the first guy to shoot a Pope and Young deer this year. <laughs> <laughs> so he wasn't mad at all. He was real cool with it, yeah. but... Just the reaction from the, you know, from Jake and the customer. It was, it was pretty funny, but. <laughs> oh, that's a great one. John, funniest or coolest? Uh, well, going back to like what you said with like guys bringing in pictures and just coming back to like, thank you. Um, mm-hmm. Again, there's just, I can't even pick like one out. It's, right. That to me, that's one of the coolest parts is like being able to help guys and in, in what our biggest passion is and either helping them be more successful or their, you know, be it a successful hunt or even a non-successful hunt. Um, you know, giving advice on things we don't even sell as far as like some of the backcountry stuff, some, mm-hmm. you know, tents, water systems, whatever, like stuff that I've used that I can, you know, recommend to people, even though we don't carry them, but try to help them out as much as we can in any aspect. Yeah. Um, and just having guys come back like sincerely thankful and, and that part is just awesome. I mean, it's fun interacting with people all day long and, you know, you get the good, the bad, the ugly, you know, we're mm-hmm. pretty fortunate in this job or this industry that very rarely do we get like the ugly, you mm-hmm. know, guys are usually pretty happy to come into right. the archery store. So that part's pretty awesome. Um, I, I don't know. I don't even know. I can't, I can't top that. I mean, you shoot a, shoot a mounted buck and shoot the first Pope and young deer of the year. That's, I don't know. There's a lot of weird stuff and funny stuff that we see right. come in, but I, I don't know. The list is just too long to even like pick one out that, that is shareable. There's, Adam, you, uh, <laughs> you, so you, I don't remember what month you started. May. May. Mm-hmm. So just in, not in, in your career, but in just your archery country career. So from May until January today, like, I know you're laughing. I don't know if you're going to tell the story that I think you're going to tell, but I'll ask you <laughs> afterwards. Is it about the embark? Uh-huh. Okay. I guess I wasn't, but. Okay. But don't, no, good. tell what you're going to. 
Okay. Tell, tell me what you're going to I guess the coolest me. thing is when somebody comes in and they're facing like a, like a maybe it's target panic. Mm-hmm. Just something isn't jiving and they're not shooting the way they want. And when you take time on the range with them, you don't sell them a single thing. You maybe adjust draw length or you help with like a little bit of a mental execution process and it just clicks and like archery is not stressful for me anymore. They want to shoot leagues. They want to go shoot with their buddies. They're not afraid to shoot around people. Yeah. And they're just enjoying archery. That's probably the coolest thing. And there's no certain case of that. It's kind of well-rounded, a lot of those. Um, some of the funniest things, you know, we take the time with crossbows to teach everybody how to properly use them. And Ravens in particular, you got to click the knock on the string. Mm-hmm. There's so many times we get a call from a guy out in the blind saying, my, my $3,000 bow won't fire. Mm-hmm. And you try to explain to them, you know, just make sure that's all clicked on and, you know, it's still not firing. They bring it in and you about know the entire script yep. and what they're going to say. And that one time we had yeah, a customer. My wife was here. My wife was here. <laughs> and because the guy called the day before and I said, or John answered the phone and went through it all and said, well, we'll just bring it in tomorrow and we'll help you out. And I told my wife that night, I said, this is exactly what's going to be said verbatim. And it was Christmas Eve. So she came in the next day. We we're going to go somewhere um, straight from work. And the guy's here 15 minutes before we open, knocking on the door, comes in, and almost as he was reading off that script I wrote the <laughs> night before, and Nate takes him on the range, clicks it onto the, the bow, it fires, and there's just that pause of, <laughs> no way. <laughs> that's, the, that's the rated, uh, the PG version. Very oh, PG. Usually, yeah. Very usually PG. it's not that it's, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, guys, I think this is, this is a blast. Um, we actually talked about doing a podcast, just pro shop talk. Um, I don't know if we're ever going to do that. <laughs> like, but we're, we, we want some more ideas from you guys. We got some pretty cool setups where we're going to maybe throw a couple of these on video. Um, so you can kind of put a face with a voice and uh, then we're going to do a big podcast. Uh, we got a gentleman that works with us now, Troy, that's a musician and he's got some equipment and we're going to get, you know, it's hard to do a podcast with six, eight guys, but I think we can do it with the mentality of it. And then of course we're going to have some of the new products coming out and some reviews on it. And our YouTube video, we are actually doing not only bow builds, but also reviews. So there's going to be a wealth of information out there. We appreciate each and every one of you listening to this podcast. There's more to come on behalf of everybody. Archery country podcast. We'll see you on down the road. Thank you for listening to Archery Country Podcast.